From the great American Pacific Northwest, greetings and welcome, my friends, to this week's edition of the Parachronicle Almanac. I'm Jonathan Hawk. This week we'll hear about a possible UFO sighting in the Salt Lake City, Utah area, and it doesn't appear to be from a recent Starlink launch. We hear about London's mysterious number no. 7 phantom bus and Charles Dickinson's secret locket. We'll cover that and more coming right up. Now, before we get to the news, don't forget to like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our show. And we're always looking for stories from you, paranormal or otherwise, so give us a call on the Parachronicle hotline at 818-570-0126 if you'd like your story featured on a future episode. That's 818-570-0126. You know what to do. Save it to your contacts because you never know when you might need it. Or you can always email at hawk at theparachronicle.com. That's H-A-W-K-E at theparachronicle.com. And on that note, let's dive right in. From UK's Express, UFO formation over Salt Lake City leaves witnesses baffled. A UFO fleet has supposedly been seen over Salt Lake City, which were apparently dancing throughout the sky with a stunning phenomenon caught on camera. A clear blue sky in a Salt Lake City day led to an unexpected sighting in the sky. Witnesses were stunned to see an odd formation in the sky which seemed to have a choreographed motion. One witness saw the odd entities on their lunch break from work and snapped a video. They submitted their sighting to UFO investigation network MUFON, claiming the objects were like orbs. They said, I was driving back to work from my lunch break when I saw what looked to be shiny balloons in the sky, but then they were behaving a little odd for balloons. When I looked harder, I thought maybe they could be birds, but they were disappearing and reappearing, dancing and making shapes. They seemed to be like orbs, not birds. There were about 10 of them moving oddly in the sky, so I pulled over and took a video. Another person also witnessed the strange formation and said the objects looked red. They submitted to MUFON, saw some object light in the sky appearing quickly, looked red to my eyesight. I could visibly see no trail, then zooming in on the video and snapping photos, you could see the motion blue, showing the object moving away from me. And I'm not sure what that means. I don't know if it means the object was blue as it was moving away or there was some blue in the actual object itself but nevertheless some sort of blue however there is a likely explanation or a more logical explanation than an alien invasion one person wrote in the comment section of the youtube channel ufo institute to which it was uploaded quote could be drones not sure lots of patterns astronomer chris impey from the university of arizona said that most UFOs have mundane explanations. He argued there are billions of objects in the space near Earth which are more than likely the inspiration for supposed UFO sightings. He wrote in the conversation, most UFOs have mundane explanations. Over half can be attributed to meteors, fireballs, and the planet Venus. Such bright objects are familiar to astronomers but are often not recognized by members of the public. Well, I have to kind of disagree on this one. I saw the video. Uh, That was definitely something within the atmosphere of Earth moving strangely. I would say it's probably drones if you look at the video. Go take a look. Let us know what you think. Um, Fireballs, meteors, the planet Venus. No, Venus doesn't move that way. Sorry. Sorry, Chris. Anyway, that's the story. Go take a look at the video. Let us know what you think. And from HotCars.com, the story of London's number 7 Phantom Bus. 
A phantom bus was once the cause of many freak accidents on a road in West London. Many mysterious phenomena have been recorded in England, and for this reason, the country is considered one of the most haunted. After all, it was there that residents encountered a large number of different kinds of ghosts across the entire nation in all sorts of different locations. Now, ghosts aren't always of people. In the case of Cambridge Gardens, eyewitnesses began to notice the phantom ghost of a red double-decker bus, so much so that commuters in the area began to fear that if they ever encountered the ghost bus, they might meet a terrible fate. Well, the very first witness claimed to have seen a car driving along an empty road when suddenly a strange bus appeared. The driver of the car got scared, abruptly swerved his vehicle, and hit a pillar. He was killed on impact. After the incident, the bus immediately disappeared. This happened in 1934. Then the phantom bus started appearing more frequently. Many witnesses were claiming that the bus was driving without a driver, and it was always moving into oncoming, the oncoming lane at a very high speed. The result was always the same. An unfortunate driver who encountered the oncoming speeding phantom bus would try and steer clear of it and end up crashing into something. In most cases, people were dying on the spot. One of the victims was lucky enough to survive. Later, he was taken to the police station. He said, I turned around the corner and saw the moving bus. The headlights were shining, both floors were lit, and there was no one inside, neither the driver nor the passengers. I, of course, turned the steering wheel, drove out onto the sidewalk, and slightly hooked on the fence, and the bus immediately disappeared. The driver who made such a statement to the local authorities of North Kensington and London, of course, could have been drunk or hallucinating, or fell asleep at the wheel and later tried to shift his blame onto the English ghost legend. But can this be said about the hundreds of drivers who experienced the same mysterious red double-decker bus rushing toward them? The logo of a well-known company was drawn on red bus number seven. When accidents became more frequent, this company changed its name and logo so that people would no longer have any suspicions about it. The ghost was suddenly appearing in the same place all the time. This intersection where the sightings occurred was already known to be dangerous, and with the advent of the high-speed ghost bus, it became even more terrifying. The testimonies of all the witnesses continued to be the same. The driver and passengers were absent, and the brand and color of the bus were the same. Also, the time of the appearance of the ghost bus always coincided. This phantom bus usually appeared at 1.15 a.m. would always disappear without a trace. The only evidence that suggested the driverless bus made an appearance were the accidents that continued to occur. Now, because of all these casualties and the widespread rumors, the police simply couldn't stand by. Detailed interrogations of all eyewitnesses began. They found out that locals saw this ghost on the road and even at the depot. However, after a few minutes, it would always disappear. This phenomenon was observed by many people, so it could not be attributed to the insanity of individual witnesses. Since then, residents have nicknamed the ghost bus the Night Knight. The residents of the area began to claim that the ghost chose its victim deliberately. Also, London authorities were never able to gather any hard evidence of the mysterious bus that was causing panic amongst drivers. For this reason, they decided to improve the visibility of the intersection between St. Mark's Road and Cambridge Garden by widening the road a few meters. In addition, it was decided to repair the road in this mystical place. Soon after that, the bus stopped appearing and the number of deaths decreased. But still, to this day, many drivers try to avoid this haunted road. And in a little departure from what we usually cover here on this program, from the hill, secret lockets reveal grief that haunted Charles Dickinson's 
Oliver Twist. The Charles Dickens Museum on Doughty Street in London has acquired highly personal and private tokens of Dickinson's that largely influenced his work. Two lockets, one containing a lock of his hair and the other containing a lock of his sister-in-law, Mary Hogarth's. Quote, we were enormously pleased to be showing these previously unseen items, which we acquired last year for the first time, said the museum's curator, Louisa Price. They tell a story that had a direct influence on at least one of his best-known works, Oliver Twist, which he was writing when his sister-in-law Mary suddenly died. Dickens was working on his writing and living with his wife, his son Charlie, and Mary, his wife's teenage sister. Mary and Catherine were close in age and were best friends as well as sisters, Price said. She effectively also became Dickens' sister with the marriage, and he became extremely fond of her. They all did a lot together, and Mary's letters to relatives show she felt he was a wonderful man who had made her sister very happy. While Dickens was working on his famed novel Oliver Twist 184 years ago, Hogarth collapsed and died suddenly at the age of 17. Initially, her death was attributed to heart failure. However, today it is believed she died of an aneurysm or possibly a stroke. Dickens wrote to his publisher, Edward Chapman, to relay the news soon after, stating, My dear sir, we are in deep and severe distress. Miss Hogarth, after accompanying Mrs. Dickens and myself to the theater last night, was suddenly taken severely ill and, despite our best endeavors to save her, expired in my arms at two o'clock this afternoon. Devastated following her death, Dickens crafted the character Rose Maley in Oliver Twist after Hogarth, a girl who falls ill but ultimately recovers. She was not past 17, cast in so slight and exquisite a mold, so mild and gentle, so pure and beautiful, that earth seems not her element, nor its rough creatures her fit companions. The locket containing Hogarth's lock of hair was gifted to Dickens by his wife's other sister, Georgina. The exhibit, called More, Oliver Twist, Dickens, and Stories of the City, revolve around when Dickens wrote Oliver Twist, the story of an orphan boy who joins a group of pickpockets from 1836 to 1837. It will run from June 30th through October 17th, and the museum's director, Cindy Sugru, said, As we are not expecting to welcome many international visitors this summer, we hope that people from across Britain will take the opportunity to enjoy enjoy Dickinson's home without the crowds. Oliver Twist is our local story. So much of the action takes place around this part of London. So if you're in London, go check it out. If you're not, uh, sounds like they may have some of these uh, things online to go take a look at on an online exhibit. So go enjoy. And finally this week from Ireland's The Sun, NASA probe hurtling back to Earth with crucial rocks from Doomsday Bennu asteroid that could wipe out entire cities. A NASA spacecraft has begun a 1.4 billion mile journey back to Earth after collecting rock samples from an ancient asteroid. The trip home for the robotic prospector OSIRIS-REx kicked off on Monday and will take about two years. OSIRIS-REx reached asteroid Bennu in 2018 and spent two years flying near and around it before collecting rubble from the surface last October. The huge space rock has previously been dubbed a doomsday asteroid due to the small chance that it will hit Earth in the next 200 years. The University of Arizona's Dante Loretta, OSIRIS-REx's principal scientist, estimates the spacecraft holds between a half pound and one pound of mostly bite-sized chunks. Either way, it easily exceeds the target of at least two ounces. It will be the biggest cosmic haul for the U.S. since the Apollo moon rocks. 
While NASA has returned comet dust and solar wind samples, this is the first time it's gone after pieces of an asteroid. Japan has accomplished it twice, but in tiny amounts. Scientists described Monday's departure from Bennu's neighborhood as bittersweet. Quote, I've been working on getting a sample back from an asteroid since my daughter was in diapers and now she's graduating from high school. So it's been a long journey, said NASA project scientist Jason Dworkin. Added Loretta, we have gotten used to being at Bennu and seeing new and exciting images and data coming back to us here on Earth. OSIRIS-REx was already nearly 200 miles from the solar orbiting Bennu when it fired its main engines Monday afternoon for a fast, clean getaway. Colorado-based flight controllers for spacecraft builder Lockheed Martin applauded when confirmation arrived of the spacecraft's departure. Quote, we're bringing the samples home. Scientists hope to uncover some of the solar system's secrets from samples vacuumed from Bennu's dark, rough, carbon-rich surface. The asteroid is an estimated 1,600 feet wide and 4.5 billion years old. Bennu, considered a broken chunk from a bigger asteroid, is believed to hold the preserved building blocks of the solar system. The returning piece could shed light on how the planets formed and how life arose on Earth. They also could improve Earth's odds against an any incoming rocks. Bennu, for instance, has a 1 in 2700 chance of impacting Earth in the late 22nd century, according to NASA. Although the asteroid is 170 million miles away, OSIRIS-REx will put another 1.4 billion miles on its odometer to catch up with Earth. The SUV-sized spacecraft will circle the sun twice before delivering its small sample capsule to Utah's desert floor on September 24, 2023 to end the more than $800 million mission. It launched from Cape Canaveral in 2016, and the precious samples will be housed at a new lab under construction at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston. It's already home to hundreds of pounds of lunar material collected by the 12 Apollo moonwalkers from 1969 to 1972. Scientists initially thought the spacecraft stored two pounds of asteroid rubble, but more recently revised their estimate downward. They won't know for certain how much is on board until the capsule is opened after touchdown. Quote, every bit of sample is valuable, Dworkin said. We have to be patient. NASA has lots more asteroid projects planned. Set to launch in October, a spacecraft named Lucy will fly past swarms of asteroids out near Jupiter, while a spacecraft known as DART will blast off in November in an attempt to redirect an asteroid as part of a planetary protection test. Then in 2022, the Psyche spacecraft will take off for an odd metallic asteroid bearing the same name. None of these missions, however, involve sample return. Well, that's it. That's all I've got for this week. Don't forget to reach out if you see something unusual in the sky or someplace else, or if you have an interesting story to tell. You can call our hotline at 818-570-0126 or find us at www.theparachronicle.com. Please like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our show. And until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and know that here on Earth and in the universe... We are not alone. For the Parachronicle Almanac, I'm Jonathan Hawke.